0: All right, everyone. Welcome to the stream. We are live across all our platforms. You know me, I'm Alfred from Diversify Capital, D Financial Friday. But today looks a little different. Certainly not the me and Raymond type show. You're going to get a lot more action today, Uh, a lot more folks that some of you are very familiar with. We've got Nathan, Nikki, even Alan's been on the show. I'll introduce them in just one second. But what's so different about the show today? Well, we're gonna be talking a little bit more about what it be means to be potentially moving to Denver or Colorado. In fact, it's gonna be part of a series of shows that I think we're gonna do tying into Definancial Friday about moving to different locations. We've just been getting so much. uh uh, questions about where what someone might be moving or questions about what it means to move so we figured as we talked about wanting to bring more of these day-to-day questions that we get from clients to you guys onto our show so we decided what a better way to do it than to host an actual webinar uh with some experts in the field to talk about what they are seeing okay uh, so, before we get started, I'm going to introduce everyone one by one. But as a reminder, anything that we talk about on our show today uh, is just for general financial planning knowledge, right? As you guys know, right? If you're looking for specific financial planning. Uh, advice, you can reach out to us at diversifycapital.com. Uh, but again, this is not meant for personal financial advice here. Uh, anything tax-related, that's going to be towards your tax professional, even though Nathan is going to be at some point talking about certain uh, thoughts that you should be thinking about and questions to be asking about as you're moving across states, right? That still should be relied to your personal tax professional uh, as you have those questions. And then finally, although we're not going to be talking about it too much today, investments, there's anything investment related that we bring out, right? If we're not solicitating for you to be buying those products, again, more from a learning aspect. All right. So we've got a couple people, different people uh, joining us today. We've got two of, uh, um, you know, great, wonderful professionals in the real estate area. Alan, uh, Alan Canis, who has been on our webinars and shows before representing our expertise in the Bay
1: Area. Of course, Alan, how are you? Hi, everybody. Doing very well. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on our show again, and then someone who's new on our show and webinars, uh, Chase, uh, who's actually representing us out of uh, the Denver, uh, Colorado area, so he's going to be our expert today. Actually, all of our questions are going to go a majority towards him about how it is to be moving to Colorado. Chase, we were just talking about this before the show. You told me it was going to be sunny there, right, 64, but feeling a little right cold right now, right, <laughs> Is is what you're seeing?
2: It's sunny, but it's cold. It's,
0: it's cold. <laughs> we'll talk about the weather, how yeah. that is like in uh, Colorado. But Chase, looking forward to hearing from you a lot more today uh, about what it means in terms of moving there, what you're seeing in terms of buying process, just giving us your best uh, experience, so that our clients and also those that are joining us live can hear what it's like, right, to to try out a place like uh, Denver in Colorado. Okay. Uh, we also have Nikki, our favorite mortgage, and all all the people that we refer to all right Nikki's definitely right up there right now on all our shows right helping us she's been so great helping a lot of our clients but also so great in explaining to clients what it means in terms of mortgages so mortgage great uh, or nikki great to have you back how are you been
3: nikki mortgage that's yes, my second name now nikki mortgage pretty much right there right <laughs> uh, yes i eat and sleep and breathe mortgages yes i am great it's lovely to be back i love being with you guys so thank you for having me yeah.
0: I'm not going to leave you out, Nate. It's been a while. You left us there, right? Uh, live shows. It's it's uh, you know yeah. something that we've missed you being on these shows. I'm sure our viewers on Facebook and 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 YouTube is so happy to see you back, Nate. How are you?
4: Doing better. Yeah, it's been a few months.
0: So happy to be back, and thanks for
4: thanks for having me today.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course, Raymond, you and I, we've been doing this for a little while here every Friday. I always ask you how Fridays are. We always say they're good. So we're just going to skip that part, right? And uh, (laughs) we're going to go jump straight into the show. So what are we talking about today, right? Like what is the goal of this show? And I think in talking to Alan, right, you've been working on a show yourself, Alan, right? And thinking about what it means in terms of uh, uh, moving and migration and, and how the lifestyle changes from someone... Uh, uh, things that you've seen in the Bay Area to what you're seeing now and people talking about moving to other areas, right?
1: Well, over the last few decades, I've witnessed a great migration into the San Francisco Silicon Valley Bay Area for employment and technology development. As such, the need and demand for homes has been among the highest in the country, driving home prices to an all-time high seemingly year after year. With such a competitive real estate market, I've been fortunate to be a real estate advisor for thousands of clients. We are now starting to see people migrate to other areas of the country, whether it's to buy a new primary residence or a secondary residence. So, and you know, right now we have Chase and we are all hearing it. Tell us about why we are seeing so many people migrate to Denver, Colorado. What is the buzz all about?
2: Well, thank you, it's good to be here and thank you for having me. Uh, I, I love talking about this subject because I have not always lived here. I am uh, one of the people who saw the quality of life uh, that it could offer and it's something that I wanted. Um, so um, largely that's why people move here. It's There's a lot of uh, things that Colorado offers, not just Denver, but, um, but the state in general. Um, And so, uh, you know, a a number of things, Um, taxes are low, Um, uh, work-life balance. I mean, you can be in the mountains in an afternoon. You can, you know, after work, you drive over and go on a hike, it's wonderful. Um, You can go world-class skiing in the winter, Um, mountain biking, hiking in the summer, Uh, four distinct seasons, um, being centrally located uh, in the country. Um, there's just a number of things, a diverse economy, um, a very educated workforce, just to, you know, I can keep going. But those are the things that I hear most. um, And what what brings people here, often people come here to visit for vacation, and then they come again for vacation and again, and then they start looking at property. And so that's what we see. What brought you? All those things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I um, well, uh, my all my life, I've, I, I grew up in Texas, but I came to Colorado all the time. Uh, summers and uh, winters, so, ski, so best of both. Best of both. Uh, summers here are absolutely beautiful. Um, I think a lot of people here, uh, a lot of people visit for the skiing and they don't realize what the summers offer. Um, and so I saw both uh, growing up. I, I came here all the time. My grandparents had a place in the mountains. And so growing up in Texas, I mean, in the summer, you get out of there. And so we would come here, and it was great because sometimes, you know, we didn't really know where we were going. You can just get in the car, and you know, eight hours you'll be in Telluride, and everything you see between here, here and there is beautiful. And so, that was sort of my introduction to Colorado. And then um, in my adult life, I, my friends began moving here, and I was very jealous. I was like, hey, that's mine. I, I knew about it first. And so uh, I. Visiting them a lot, and and then uh, going back to Texas, and going, man, I, I really, I think I I would really like to live in Denver, uh, because I like living I like living in a city. I like the things that the city offers, but I also like nature, and so it really is great that we get to uh, enjoy both here.
0: And look, I mean, you know, those that know us know that our firm is based out of the Bay Area, and I think that's where our lot of our audience, right, uh, initially comes from. So are you seeing, Chase, right, uh, you know, people reaching out to you from the Bay Area or different locations in the Bay Area moving out to Colorado? And has that increased over the past year?
2: Yes, it has. And the timing of this question is perfect because I just left a client who flew in this morning from the Bay Area to see the home that they bought on Sunday via Zoom. And they liked it. So that's great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so they're here for the inspection and all of that. And they were a referral from a friend of theirs who I helped close on a home in December. So we've always had a steady flow just because of where we are in the country and the ease in and out of here um, uh, with our international airport and being, you know, three hours east to west coast. Um, so we've always had a steady. You know, flow and, and more of a tech presence than we had five years ago. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I've, and in the last two years, that's definitely been something uh, that has been bringing people here that I've noticed personally without even talking to others. I just have felt it personally. And so, um, yes, suddenly more, yeah. uh, more so, suddenly, yes. And Over I think between.
0: And between Nathan and myself and Raymond, we're seeing it too, right? Like a lot of clients, whether it's working remotely, right? Or being able to, uh, 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 you know, have their actual jobs, uh, allow them to work out of different places. It's it's caused these conversations to be happening. And I'm going to kind of focus it on a couple of things that I think, you know, our audience or clients are interested in. For those that, you know, are coming from Bay Area, or uh, at least from our perver- uh, point of view, right? They're focused on a couple of things, right? It's like, All right. How are the schools there? Right. In terms of like uh, uh, strength of schools, Um, what's the uh, I mean, weather, right? That's going to be a big one if you're coming from California where it's sunny most of the time. Right. How's the how's the weather? And then also, what's the growth been like? Right. In terms of real estate prices, because certainly Alan can speak to this, right, which is the growth in the Bay Area has been tremendous. So from those three points of view, what are you seeing in Colorado?
2: So as far as schools, we're consistently ranked. uh, The Brookings Institute has us consistently ranked in the top two or three. uh, Mm -hmm. The last few years, we've been number one a couple of times. Um, We have great schools all over the city and in the suburbs. You don't have to to just live in one area for a good school. And it depends on what kind of school you're looking for. My clients uh, that I met with today, um, their daughter is going to be going uh, to an international school that, they, uh, that was recommended to them uh, from the school that they attend there. And so that they chose to live in the neighborhood of Park Hill, which is where that school is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a friend of mine, her son just graduated from uh, Denver East High School, which has an amazing uh, film program. They even do um, a film festival every year. And now he's uh, just he just got accepted right out of high school to University of Southern California Film School. Wow. Um, So, you know, just depending on what you're looking for, we will we will be able to offer that. Um, You won't have to necessarily just be limited to one certain part of the city or the region.
0: Yeah. And and, you know, from a growth perspective, Right. I think nationally last year, right um, home prices grew by about four and a half, five percent. What were you guys seeing in, in, in Colorado just on average, like if you were have to put a number to it?
2: Um, I would say about five to seven, and that was that was a drop for us from the previous few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now um, we had a, an economist tell us on Wednesday, that they think now that's going to be closer to 10 again Mm -hmm. we're going to be back like uh our 2015 2016 numbers uh because of the freedom that people have to work from anywhere uh because of a lot of uh companies and industries have a presence here that have a presence elsewhere so it's easy for them to do you know be in and out of both places yeah um so that's really opening the doors for a lot of people again it's also opening the doors for some people to maybe spend more time in their mountain home. And so maybe they don't need as big of a home in the city because they enjoy spending more time in the mountains now that they can work from home, you know, three, four days a week. So that is helping us uh, just in the past few weeks, we all took a sigh of relief to see some new inventory enter the market. Um, There's still a lot of demand. So prices will still continue to increase like I like the numbers I just said, but, but there will, there, there will be options. Um, I had some clients a, about a month ago, they were really going, oh, wow, there's just nothing. And, you know, that's just the time of year. Uh, but just in the past couple of weeks, everyone's spirits have been lifted a little bit, um, because we're seeing, we're seeing things, uh, happening now, yeah. getting ready for spring.
0: Got it. Got it. And and of course you mentioned this to us in the prep right which is how many days of sunshine are you really talking about right in in, in colorado right and so i think you said something like 300 which surprised me even right in, and and yeah. thinking i think just my perception is like colorado has got to be cold right but you're telling me otherwise that it's, it's you've got four seasons and it's, it's got some fair weather out there
2: okay so my friends make fun of me because i'm i grew up in texas so whenever whenever i say it's cold it's probably fine. It's really <laughs> cold to me. Um, and uh, But I'll say this. It's 48 degrees outside right now. The sun is shining. Um, you don't need a heavy coat. We have a dry climate. So it's not the wet, damp, cold mm-hmm. that you experience there. It's 48 degrees in San Francisco. It's really cold. Um, here, if the sun is out, it's just a light jacket, especially yeah. if you're going for a walk. Yeah. Um, but if the wind picks up, then that's when I start kind of you know saying it's cold yeah earlier Um, this week it was 68 degrees and i had lunch with a friend on a patio so there you go yeah
0: no it's great to hear it's great to hear some of those aspects because those are the focus why for a lot of people why alan has seen over the past many years that he's been working the amount of people that have been in the bay area right i wanted to actually bring chase and alan to talk about a couple things which is the buying process and the selling process because we talked about this as well alan which is right to in, in terms of having an offer on a home, right, someone being in the Bay Area and buying a home in the Bay Area, that process, I think, is just different from everywhere in the country, right, in terms of uh, but I've learned over the years that like whether you buy in New York or other states, it's also different. Right. And so I wanted you guys maybe to talk a little bit about um uh, the, the process, right, what you're seeing maybe right now, Alan, just share with us. It's been a little bit share with us what you're seeing in the markets in the Bay Area in terms of Buying and selling—how things are, are uh, um, how things are in terms of speed of that happening—and um, then we'll kind of get to Chase and talk about what it's like out there in terms of buying. Is it the same experience? Do we have to expect the same things like non-contingent offers? But maybe start with you, Alan. What what are you seeing right now, buying and selling, in terms of like how things are, how quickly things are uh, uh, selling, or how quickly things are being purchased?
1: Well, right now, sellers. Uh, it- Sellers are seeing their houses not sit on the market very long when it's priced right. If we have an overzealous seller, well, that was hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> and it's priced a little too high and that that could be 50, 75,000, even $100,000 over. It is sitting a little while. And then mm-hmm. when I say a little while, it could be 30, 45 days. Okay. And they do a little price adjustment. But if it's priced right, for instance, we had a, a property in Redwood City and it was priced accordingly and we had over 60 show oh i'm sorry over 50 showings and we had 10 offers and it sold for three hundred thirty-seven thousand over the asking price and that set the tone for the homes around it and other agents are seeing the same in san carlos and burlingame and milbrae and uh, san mateo and so and it 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 and those were not overzealous sellers, and there's just not enough inventory for the right homes. Mm-hmm. And interest rates, in which I know Nikki can talk about, are not are at an all-time low. And mm-hmm. so, when you have more buying power, it allows for more buyers out there, and there's just not enough inventory. So, like for instance, in Hillsboro, there's only 28, 28 or 30 homes on the market. You've got Sa- you've got San Mateo when you've got maybe. 30-something homes on the market. Redwood City has 20 homes on the market. That's not a lot of homes when you've got an influx of buyers. And so that causes multiple offers of anywhere from 2 to 10, 15 offers. That's not on every home, but that is on the majority of the homes that are coming mm. on the market. Yeah.
0: so. And what's interesting is you said influx of buyers, It's it, but it's a different type of influx, right? Because the influx of buyers is coming from, right? Maybe someone from a smaller home, the pandemic move, as I'm calling it, right? Like someone looking for, for more space. Or they're,
1: or they're coming from the city and they're mm-hmm. coming to live on the peninsula. Yeah. Now, condos are a different story. Condos mm-hmm. have flatlined to a certain degree, or they've seen anywhere from a 12% to a 38% market decline from mm-hmm. San Francisco all the way down the peninsula. Mm-hmm. And so, and that depends on if they have a small yard, if they've got any balcony, if they have no space at all and buyers at that, at the price point of a condo, they're starting to say, Hey, maybe I'll just stretch a little bit more and get a two bedroom, one bathroom house. Yeah. And so,
0: and, 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 you know, in the, selling offers that you're receiving, right? Like like when some you list a house, you're still seeing to be competitive, right? Uh, and this is the point that I wanna bring up in terms of how an offer is being written. To be competitive in the Bay Area, there's things, right? We talk about no contingencies still all the time.
1: No contingencies mean no loan, mm-hmm. uh, no contingency on a loan, appraisal, property inspection, if a property inspection has been provided. Mm-hmm. And so that means pro- roof, uh, pest inspection, chimney, Uh, Full property inspection has been provided. And I know talking with Chase, it's different in different areas. Um, Some markets don't provide those and gives opportunity to buyers in other areas. And I know Chase can talk about that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, so Chase, maybe you describe to us if someone's coming from the Bay Area, looking at working with you or, or agents in the area, and they're talking about being competitive in their offer, what are you seeing, right, in terms of what's the, like, what variations are there really? Is it just the price, right? Like, talk a little bit about the offer process itself.
2: Yes, um, so as far as uh, getting an offer accepted in a multiple offer situation, It is best, what sellers look for, and I think agents are trained to sort of uh, let them know what to expect, uh, is that let's say a home is priced at a million dollars and someone offers 1.1 to get it. They would want some assurance that you're going to cover that even if it does not appraise for that, Mm. meaning that you increase your down payment to cover that gap um, or... That's that is number one. Yep. Number two would be to not ask for anything after you have an inspection. They 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 understand that you'll have an inspection because they're not providing one for you here. Um, and so I write in my offers that we would only be inspecting for health and safety issues. I see. Um, so that they know that we're not going to come through there and then you know on the last day of our deadline hand them a list of you know a hundred things um, they'll say no way. So, um, so those are the two things. Uh, I also think it really does help here. I don't know if it's just, um, the way things have always been here. Uh, and I'm sure Nikki has experience with this, but I always uh, do an introduction with the lender when I send the offer. Um, I encourage the lender to call the listing agent. It's amazing to me how many people don't do that. Uh, and it certainly helps it, I know that I, my offer has been selected many times just with that extra, you know, personal touch with the lender, um, and the listing agent.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, uh, well, you know, the questions that I have for Nikki coming up are also if someone right outside of, uh, uh, Of course nikki doing a great job connecting to the agents themselves and assuring them that right offers are looking good and the financing is looking good right the biggest question that i think clients are going to have is how are they going to you know be in any state but let's say bay area and say that they're going to move to colorado if there's no security of income there right like they don't have a job there yet it's more still like an assumption of work from home what are you looking for, Nikki, from what's needed from your underwriters to actually make sure the loan goes through? Like what should someone be prepared to ask for from their uh, employer to actually make this happen?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, now is uh, the uh, easiest time I've seen in my career of being able to get away with it, so to speak, mm. um, because it's, it's not uncommon. It's like, oh, I'm working from home, Twitter, you know, all of these big companies have said, you can work from home, you know, pretty much forever and so we're as an underwriting we're not surprised when we see that whereas a few years ago we would have sort of questioned that now there's no question. so literally all we need is a letter from your employer stating that you're able to work remotely Mm. and that's it it's as simple as that we used to have to really you know kind of explain it do you have to fly in x number of days in you know a year type thing and that's that's pretty much gone it's it's industry standard that we understand that the country is pretty fluid and that people can live in Hawaii and have a job in New York and just have to get up really early <laughs> but other than that um, they can do their jobs
0: got it and and so does it have to say specifically I'm, I'm just curious like do they have to say specifically uh, that they're allowed to work from home for a certain amount of time or it just says like you're allowed to work from home
3: Know, just that they're accepting them remote work, that they are not required to be in the state in the office, that they acknowledge that the people are, uh, you know, that the the borrower is, is going to be living in a separate state. Got it. Got it. One one interesting fact there is is just you know know that the companies are getting a little bit more. Um, they have to make sure that they're taking the right taxes out for you. So you do obviously have to let your employer know. There's been. You know, people working in Europe and things like that during this, you know, shutdown and not telling their employees and that does get awkward because there are some tax I'm sure you guys can talk to, but that is just something that people yeah, forget.
0: And and being prepared is part of why we have these conversations right that's our goal as planners Nathan Raymond and I is to have a client prepared when they get into these situations uh, and I think it's good that you bring that up because if a client is thinking about moving but their employer doesn't know right they're worried about that their employer would have an issue with them moving that might be an issue and trying to get a letter to say hey can you you cool if I go to Colorado right like and they're like no it's not right and so it's not going to be a situation that is uh, um you know that meaning that it's still needed some letter is still needed is, is is what you're saying to help that loan go through
3: yeah yeah with some now we've been able to just look at i mean it's it's fairly um you know public that there are some companies that have said it so we don't even mm. need a specific letter to that individual because i picked up twitter there they were just one of the first but yep. you know it, everybody knows that they've said you can so we sort of are not even necessarily asking anymore
0: got it got it um and uh I launched a poll just now for those that are in our actual webinar right now. And those are you watching live, you can certainly uh, comment on the Facebook as well. But I was curious, right, for those that are thinking about making a move, would you be keeping or selling uh, your home? So I'm seeing about half-half for those that have answered, right? Some are planning to keep their home, right, to, to rent out. Some are planning to, to sell. It's about split 50-50 right now. Um, Nikki, can you talk a little bit about, and we've talked about this in another webinar in terms of the idea of just a bridge loan. And, and this it's, it's a term that we get from clients, like, can I use a bridge loan? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a situation, maybe particular to somebody, you know, in, living in a certain state, moving out of state, trying to make that uh, swap over, whether they're keeping their house or really just trying to sell their house and, and, and move into it. Can they do it in a way with the bridge loan where they can buy first and then sell afterwards?
3: Absolutely. There's many options. Um, It depends on your income, depends on your assets, and it depends on your equity as which option we would take. A bridge loan is essentially all it is, is a a fancy way of saying we're giving you your equity now to be able to borrow uh, against your current house to put the down payment on the new house. Now, a bridge loan is only appropriate if you're going to sell your house because it's a temporary loan. It's a higher interest rate. Mm. If you're thinking that, hey, we might move, but we'd quite like to keep a foothold in the Bay Area and we might stay here. Now is the time to act and to plan because you can do all sorts of things. You can take refinance to the lowest rate you can. and, And just because you know it's going to be a keeper house, you can pull cash out of the house to prepare for that down payment on the new house to avoid the bridge. Or you can take an equity line out on the current house The thing that gets a tad tricky, and this is where the preparation comes in, is that you can't take an owner-occupied loan today on your California house and turn around tomorrow and say, I'm now moving to Denver, Mm -hmm. um, just because we care about doing two owner-occupied loans. So there has to be some sort of reasonable gap between the two. Now, life changes. When you sign your deed of trust, you state your intent is to live in the house for the next 12 months, but pandemics happen, things change, we can't plan for. So it's not hard and fast. It's just just prepare for that so if it is something in the future that you're thinking about you know talk to your lender now to prepare for should i pull cash out should i at least try and get my rate as low as possible because if i am turning it into rental if enough time has gone by you can take advantage of you know turning that low interest rate primary residence in california in the future into a rental property yeah so it helps you cash load in the future but yes there are bridge loans available Um, you know, we we do a lot of those because people aren't wanting to, to give up what they own before they find out where they're going.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that's just really key to hear because we do hear like, uh, you know, clients or, or, or friends are like, I'm not sure how I can make this work, right? Like, how can I actually do this? And from a lifestyle perspective, um, you know, if you have a family, kids, it's, it might be very difficult, right, to make that happen by selling the home first, where you're going to go. So um, the key here sounds like, right, uh, not uh, only talk to someone like you, but mortgage uh, advisors in general to plan out what are the possibilities around making that happen. But it sounds like there are possibilities as we've discussed before
3: exactly super high level most bridge loans go up to about 70 75 percent of the current value of your house got minus it. of course what you owe got it so if you got have a million dollar condo and you owe 400 we'll go up to about seven hundred thousand in the total loan so in other words four minus 700 is 300 is what's available for us to then take that and put that on the down payment on your new house
0: i see that's really helpful that's really helpful as a general uh, guideline for people to hear that. And of course, working through the specifics with your lender to see what's uh, uh, available for your scenario. Now, we've spoken about right the real estate side. We've spoken about how the offers are, the benefits of moving to something like Colorado. Um, I wanted to hear from uh, Nathan and Raymond a little bit about what are some of the things that we talk about in terms of when you're moving states, what considerations from a financial planning, a more holistic side outside of real estate should someone be thinking about?
4: Yeah, I mean, we as planners look at the the whole picture, right? So when we look at you know, an income statement, it's income and your expenses, right? So I think there's quite a bit of change that would happen to someone's income statement going from California to Colorado. Uh, a lot of companies ever since that pandemic has happened have created tiers of what sort of compensation you're going to earn should you decide to move, right? I think for many companies here in the Bay Area, they've recognized great, you can go live somewhere else, but we're not going to pay you that Bay Area salary. So we're going to give you an adjustment depending on which tier you go to. And that might be something that plays into Nikki's uh, conversation with them on the mortgage end too. Um, But I think going from San Francisco Bay Area to Denver, Colorado, chances are some companies may actually drop your income a little bit to adjust for the location difference. So I've definitely seen that happen to a few clients throughout this past year and makes sense I mean, for companies to do that too. Um, also related to the income is taxation, right? So obviously one of the big reasons people move out of California is we have really high state tax. There's no Mm -hmm. getting around it. Uh, Most people fall in the nine or 10%. So I'm getting to the 11 or 12% tax bracket here in California. Chase over there in Colorado, gets to play a flat tax, 4.63% flat tax. And so that's quite a bit of tax savings potentially going to Colorado. Now there's some nuance to that though. Mm -hmm. right? Especially for a lot of our clients that work in Silicon Valley, you may have some equity compensation. You may have vested some of that equity while in California, California is probably going to have some claim on that. So there's some complexity there. Chances are, you're not going to move to Denver January 1st of the year. So you've got some probation going on within your first year of living in Colorado between California tax and Colorado tax. So again, some close some complexity there. Um, but for the most part, if you're planning on moving to Colorado for the long term, chances you're gonna save some pretty significant taxes. Uh, I just did a brief lookup on property tax rates. It seems like Colorado's about on par, or even slightly less than California as far as property tax goes. So that's helpful too. And then you've got the rest of the budget, right? We are in one of the most expensive real estate markets in the in the US. There's so, you no know, going around that. New York might might beat us. Um, but San Francisco is still up there. So, going to Colorado, yeah, you're going to save on the house price. But well, what about everything else? Mm-hmm. What about healthcare costs, entertainment costs, food costs, transportation costs? From what I found, somewhere between 15 to 25% savings there going from San Francisco Bay Area to Denver, Colorado. And you can look that up on any cost of living adjustment websites like Nerdwella has a really good resource for that too. Um, so, I think all in all, you're going to chase this point as to why he moved to Denver, Colorado. Your your work life balance can improve because now your your income statement has also probably improved. Um, so just some some things that we would help up all any of our clients with when thinking through this process.
0: Yeah, and and I think uh, you know that's been key, right? Because I think we've talked about in uh, different shows about the equity side and the stock side. But to your point, California is strict on how those things can be taxed, right? And that's in particular something that you have to watch out for. Don't just assume, right, you left California and all your income is now not gonna be taxed here. I think I'll leave it there because it gets much more complex than that, but you can't just assume that, right? And so um, California wants everything, right, in terms of their taxes, (laughs) so, Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good point that you bring up. I don't I, you know, people will talk about the housing price, which, again, has its differences. But the long term side of things uh, in terms of the 15 to 20 percent cost of living differences is what ultimately and we've seen firsthand with our clients, someone moving there, raising a family, right, being in the good school districts allows them to not feel like they need to make some crazy number on income to be able to sustain that and i think not having that level of financial burden to create you know what we just talked about is certainly helpful and 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 uh we've had clients and, and chase has seen it personally firsthand himself that that's where right you see this influx right now right um now as i'm going through this right as i'm going through this Um, is there anything from any of you guys right now that we haven't covered, like we haven't talked about uh, that we would like to bring up?
3: Alfred, I'm going to just jump in and talk a little bit about payments because, you know, from a cash flow perspective, that is sort of a place where people go is is what is it going to cost me? And, you know, we, um, I was actually chatting with Chase earlier today and we were looking at cost per square foot. And, you know, they Mm. sit somewhere in Denver in that sort of condo, you know price range of a, a a nice two bedroom two bath three bedroom two bath type thing at a you know somewhere around 650 right chase is what we were talking about earlier is a good price for a really nice looking um spot downtown whereas in san francisco i mean i'm i was gonna say you're at a million you're probably at a million and then some but let's just go with a million so the difference in your payment for for that just for your mortgage payment is about to uh 1200 a month of just you know pure mortgage and Mm. then your property taxes um again as as um nathan said earlier it is you know your property taxes are cheaper here so your total mortgage payment and taxes is somewhere between you know 14 to even 2000 depending on the the taxes chase and i were talking earlier about it's somewhere between a half of a percent and up to one percent on the property taxes depending on where you are so it really can be a significant difference Um, and you Probably are getting more for six fifty in Denver than you are at a million in San Francisco,
0: yeah, and so I think if you i mean isn't that right the main thing that we're we're been talking about is that comparison of homes, right like the idea of something similar same lifestyle. Um, for for someone that might not be tied to the Bay Area anymore. I think in the past that was harder, right? There has been uh, that shift in what a workplace looks like. And, And because of that shift of what a workplace looks like, it has allowed for more of that flexibility. To Alan's point, Right. Again, not that things are slowing down in the Bay Area right now. Right. I think you have the inflow of people moving out of cities into single family homes or larger homes because they intend to stay. But again, we're having these series of webinars because we're seeing, right, the conversations about moving out and what it just might even mean. Right. And so um, I think hearing from all of our experts in the field has helped, you know, hopefully, you guys that are watching live, watching in the webinar, learn more about the things and the questions to be considering, right? To be considering.
1: Well, one question I know will will be coming up, at least from clients of mine are, um, and this is for Chase, are single family homes with land attached requested and prevalent And how far away in miles or minutes from downtown Denver are they? Because I know like when people are moving from Palo Alto or Burlingame and they have a 3,500 to 6,000 square foot lot, They may want a 10,000 or a half an acre. How far is that something that could be found close to downtown Denver and how far away do they have to travel to obtain? Yes,
2: um, not far at all. Um, uh, When the city was built, um, I think that that they had that in mind. There are sections of the city that are 10 minutes from downtown um, that have nice huge parkways. definitely 10,000 plus square foot lots um, with 5, 7,000 seven, uh, 7, square foot homes on them. Um, we have, you know, the thing about Denver is we have 70 distinct neighborhoods. That's a, that's a lot of distinct neighborhoods. If you look at the map, you're like how, but they really are distinct. And so that gives us a, a diverse um, type of home, architecture, size, and so on uh, to work with. And so, um, if you want more than that, then even to get outside of, ta- outside of Denver into the nearby suburbs, it's still only like a 30 minute commute. And, and that's, that means if you want, you know, maybe two acres or something like that, or if you wanna be closer to the mountains and perhaps evergreen or somewhere like that, which is 45 minute, 30, 45 minute commute. Um, but in the city, we have beautiful historic districts um, with uh, some amazing architecture, much like um, you're used to there, just less expensive.
1: Well, and one of the things that I would love if you could explain just a little bit, this, or tell the story that you, that you told, that I feel so comfortable uh, referring clients, especially from the Bay Area, because you understand the Bay Area, because your best friend is, was from here. And so if you could tell a little bit about that story.
2: Yes. Um, well, my, my very good friend uh, lived in San Francisco for years. And so I would visit her all the time, at least probably three times a year. And then uh, she now lives six blocks from me. Um, and so I love having her here, but I miss, I miss her <laughs> living there. <laughs> I, did love I have another uh, a good friend, um, because when we talked yesterday I, I I thought why have I not called my friend Kelly she moved here a year and a half ago from uh Menlo Park and I said hey so if someone were to ask me like you know Denver now well enough you've been here a year and a half and you know they have bikes and this is a very bike friendly city so you can just get around town on a weekend and check out different neighborhoods and I was like so you know what are some comparisons and so um there's a district. Uh, very well-known Cherry Creek, Cherry Creek North, uh, Congress Park. That is uh, where my neighborhood and she lives adjacent to that neighborhood in Cheeseman Park. So she says Cheeseman Park would be um, kind of like, uh, Cheeseman Park, i would say Cap Hill is, a, is near the state capital. So the name of the neighborhood is Cap Hill. She said, that's kind of like Castro-ish. Um, there's a district north of uh, downtown called the River North Arts, Arts District Um, she, uh, compared that to, uh, dog patch. Oh, Um, uh, so, and then then, uh, Cherry Creek, (laughs) Congress park, um, that I mentioned first, she said, that's Palo Alto. She's like, you basically live in Palo Alto. so." (laughs) (laughs) So I know Palo Alto very well, apparently, because, and I do know Palo Alto, but apparently I live there. Um, and then, uh, the Denver country club, uh, is surrounded by a neighborhood, a historic neighborhood called country club. Okay. And, uh, she, uh, compared that, to uh, Los Gatos okay. um, area. Yeah. yeah. So all prison. of that wow. is on all these neighborhoods, even though they're different neighborhoods there, you, the only way you, well, you, it's kind of interesting how you noticed kind of like San Francisco, how the, how quickly the neighborhoods change in a block mm-hmm. It's the same thing here. Um, and it's the, uh, largely the way the city was built. It was built on a street bar system. And so. You know, that's how people got around. And there are little pockets of neighborhood retail in every neighborhood. So we have an amazing walk score, no matter where you live. Um, So, yeah, so uh, I'm glad I called her because I think that was helpful and it was fun for her too. Yeah. Well, and I know we
1: talked when we spoke uh, yesterday, we had talked about one of my favorite aspects about Denver is the airport and the gargoyles and the, the airport itself. And yeah. you had said that they're actually redoing that airport.
2: Yes, um, it seems like, you know, it's a good time to redo an airport, I guess. Um, <laughs> but they were doing that anyway. Um, a complete overhaul of the, um, of the airport, um, which is really a nice airport anyway. Uh, but they're adding over 20 gates and many uh, nonstop international flights. Um, the thing about the influx of, uh, uh, that we've had of growth over the past 10 years, you know, they're catching up to that. And so, you know, things just keep getting better. You know, more uh, more restaurants to choose from, more types of restaurants as we, as we get, pop, uh, you know, a more diverse population from different regions. So it's very, it's, you can see that uh, here now um, where I don't know if you would have 10 years ago. I'm sure you wouldn't have 10 years ago. So um, yeah, I mean, Always something new to try. I
4: feel like it's somewhat obvious if you were to look at a map, but the way you said it yesterday was, was pretty awesome, where you said you're really two hours, two and a half hours to really anywhere in, in the US or at least the 48 states of US. Um, so There's, being central Colorado is pretty attractive, it seems.
2: Yeah, I, I hear that from so many people, actually. Uh, even people that maybe, you know, they travel for work some, uh, whether they're going to the East Coast or West Coast, and it's it's pretty easy for them
0: mm-hmm. to
2: get convenient. It's a two-hour flight.
0: Cool. And so again, uh, we are coming up on 45 minutes here. Not everyone wants to hear me talk for more than that, and so <laughs> we're gonna try to stop uh, and close out the webinar here. I say not everyone. We got some laughs from Nate. He'll he'll hear me talk for a couple hours, right? And so, uh, but yeah, it's I think very the- <laughs> it's the mic, it's the mic, it's got to be the mic. Um but Um, no, it's been, it's been great. I think hearing from different aspects and and even for me, I I always learn from these when I have you guys on, because the main thing is as we're talking about it, right? We want to relay this information to our clients. We want to now relay this information as a goal of diversify has been to relay this to everybody that can hop onto Facebook or YouTube, right? And making this available to more people. And I think the idea is if we can Simplify the way that we talk about these things, right? It makes it a little bit uh, more easy for everyone to understand, approachable, and hopefully something that you guys can actually execute. If it's a goal of yours to get out to Colorado, it shouldn't be something where you're waiting on someone to provide you the info. So hopefully this establishes the base and starts helping you ask the right questions. Just to close out here, I um, ran a poll while you guys were talking about what states people were interested in if they were living in California, like where were they considering to go? Uh, of course, this is a the Colorado webinar. So, you know, most people, 80 some percent, it's definitely skewed statistics wise, right? So 80 some odd percent uh, said they want to go to Colorado, but we had Washington, Oregon as well up there, right? So we're going to talk to our team. Uh, and, and see right as we're thinking about uh, uh, other areas to explore right that we're going to bring that up as well, but I think it was such a great start to be able to talk about Colorado. Certainly, we thought of Colorado first because that was the the main part that we were getting questions about uh, from our clients and, and so we always want to relay that to you guys watching live. Alright, uh, before I close things out anything else from anyone uh, uh, from our panel that you guys wanted to add.
4: Yes. I just think it's really cool to hear from other parts of the country. I mean, we're just so focused here in Bay Area real estate, we forget about other parts of the market. So I really appreciate Chase being on this call with us.
2: My, my pleasure, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, one thing I didn't mention is I have noticed that when, if people do have a lot of buying power when they move here, if they're moving from a more expensive market, they tend to also buy a second property in the mountains, which is also income producing. Um, that's widely popular, uh, among most people that move here. So, um, if you guys ever have any questions about that, that's always fun to talk about too.
4: Just to expand on that, I think the elevation note you mentioned yesterday was really interesting. You're at the mile high in Denver, and then it seems like you go a second mile into the mountains within an hour and a
2: half drive that, or something that, like that. That prevents us from having blizzard conditions. So people have people associate Colorado with the mountains and the snow. That's just right over there. We <laughs> don't have that as much here um, or I, I don't know if I'm here because I get cold when it's forty eight. but um, we have we really do have mild winters in the city of Denver. It's a very easy winter here.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, again. Uh, we, of course, Raymond and I are live every Fridays at 3 p.m. talking about different topics. But We, again, hope to continue to have these uh different shows special shows where we have more of our guests on so you don't just listen to Raymond and I blabber for 30 minutes uh um but uh again so much uh uh you know went into preparing this thank you Chase Alan, and and Nikki for joining us we really love having you guys on these webinars and shows uh and we look forward to having uh those that joined us live today or during our in our actual webinar uh, on another uh series again thank you so much have a great friday everybody
1: thank you thank you very much
0: Bye.